This is the greatest hour to follow Jesus. Tonight I have the great honor of uh, introducing a, not only a dear friend of uh, Jesse and I's, but a dear friend of the body of Christ and a dear friend of God. Uh, what God has done through the life of uh, Randy Clark is only heaven will know and only heaven will tell. Randy has been such an encouragement to me. Randy, thank you. Thank you for calling us higher, for coming, for sacrificing, for modeling what it looks like to do this well for a very long time with integrity and humility. We honor that. His family's with us tonight. We love you guys. I want us to receive uh, Dr. Randy Clark as the man of God that he is. So can we please welcome Dr. Randy Clark to the platform? Thank you. Thank you. You may be seated. Before I begin the message, two things I want to say. Uh, first, for the sound guy, less, more, less. Um, Michael, I want to be the first to invite you to become a professor when you get your doctorate. I'd love for you to be an adjunct professor of Global Awakening Theological Seminary and particularly teaching some of the courses I'd like for you to teach, some dealing with Christian theologies and particularly understanding the Eastern theology. That would be amazing to have you. Is your brother here? My brother. Thea? Thea? Yeah. I really feel like that the word I have for you is that God is going to use you too. I was praying a while ago over you. It's like Peter and John, uh, Peter and Andrew, James and John, that there's going to be a brother thing in the kingdom of God. And I know he already is using you, but I, I just think there, you're going to step into uh, a level of anointing you've never had before. And... Uh, so I, I, I want to share that. Um, I want to talk to you tonight on the power of the testimony and um, the ways of God, and particularly uh, when it comes to healing. And we want to focus on Jesus, and we want to focus on the good news, the euangelion, the gospel. And, you know, for a lot of the church, they, they think the gospel starts with Passion Week. And the most important thing that Jesus did was his death. I agree with that. He came to die. He, he came to redeem us. He came to pay the price, to be the ransom. He, he, he undone everything Adam did to get us in trouble with God. <laughs> he recapitulated that. And that's why he had to became, become flesh. The gospel starts with the incarnation. The gospel starts with God taking on humanity. God not really giving up anything of being God, 
but adding to his deity our humanity so that in his humanity he could die in our place. The good news is not just the last week of Jesus' life. You know, uh, Paul talks about it in his death, what are the benefits of his death to us, but then he turns around and he says, and how much more shall we be saved by his life? I've thought about that. And I thought, well, maybe it means the everlasting life, the eternal uh, life of, of, of Jesus in his um, incarnation, now glorified state, um, his, his intercession for us. And I think that's part of, of the truth, that his continued life. But I think that there's a, something that makes us whole and something that um, redeems us uh, and causes us to think differently and be transformed in the renewing of our minds. That's by what he, how he lived and how he showed us how to, we could live and by what he said to challenge the carnal way of thinking. So all of Jesus is redemptive, not just this last week. His whole life is redemptive. And um, Paul said that he, he asked the Corinthians, be an imitator of me. But he also said that he was an imitator of Christ. Sometimes theologians and critics are afraid that we will take away or we'll say something that takes away from the glory of Jesus by believing that we can do things that Jesus did because of the Holy Spirit and thinking that where, where Jesus said, um, the things that I have done, you shall do also. Let's, let's listen to that. This is the, just, just before he goes to the cross, he's sharing with his disciples, the things that I've done, you shall do also. And even greater things than these shall you do because I go to the Father. Or another way he could have said it because I'm getting ready to go to the cross. The way to the Father was through the cross. It's that way for us. He was glorified in this crucifixion. What was foolishness to the Gentile and a stumbling block to the Jew, the cross becomes the most powerful thing that we have. This gospel of Jesus becoming human, showing us how to live, living out his values, showing men how to treat women. Showing people who have a lot how to share and how to value the poor. Showing people who had horrible childhoods and maybe terrible parents because of the sin in the parents. Showing them that God the Father is not like them. A father who doesn't know how to love his kids. 
that he's different. So he showed us what God was like. And he taught his disciples how to do what he was doing, how to deal with demons, how to pray for the sick, how to share the good news, how to be willing to lay down their lives. And then he offered us this kind of life of power and grace. You know, it says, John says, uh, Jesus Christ was full of grace and peace. In the West, we think mainly of grace as the unmerited, undeserved forgiveness of God, and it is that. That's an extremely important part of understanding grace. But grace is more than that. Jesus had no sin. How could he be full of grace if grace is understood as limited and related to forgiveness of sin? How can the one who had no sin be full of grace if grace is limited to only understanding it that way? Grace is also divine enablement. The word for gift or in, um, in Protestants, we use the word gift. Catholics we, and others, we use the word charisms. It's literally, and sometimes it's, it translates gracelets, manifestations of grace, gifts of the Holy Spirit. They're also, in part of the church, they understand that, that it's not just that God gives you a gift. He comes to you in his energy as God, and that gift is more than gift. That gift is God himself. So Jesus Christ was full of grace and truth. So I think when we understand it in his life, who didn't need any grace for forgiveness, was he was full of the divine enabling power of God, so much so that he overflowed and leaked. Just getting around him sometimes would bring people healing. And he wants us to be like that, people of grace. I was reading this week, and um, one of the early fathers of the church was saying, what does it mean to be a Christian, or how do we understand what it is to be Christian? And he's talking about that Christ was not his last name. That Jesus, or Yeshua, in in the Hebrew is God who saves. That's the meaning of it. He is the God who saves. He is the anointed one. For Christ is the um, Greek, for the Hebrew, for Messiah. Jesus is the God who saves and is the one who comes as our foretold and Messiah. So we don't do this much in church, but in Brazil, in uh, much of the church, when they meet each other, they greet this way, gracipas, grace and peace, is the blessing that they speak 
to each other. And when we limit that grace, grace, to, oh, maybe you have the undeserved forgiveness, that's wonderful. Yes, that's good. But we also need that divine enablement. How can we imitate him without that divine enablement? Jesus is called, behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. But all four of the gospel writers talk of him as the one who will baptize with the Holy Spirit so that we are full of divine enablement because we are anointed. We are called Christians because we too are anointed by the Holy Spirit. So when we think about healing, and I want us to think about healing because I think that something's wrong with the way we think about God being in our midst if no healing takes place. Because everywhere he went, he healed people. The people who came to him, he, he healed them. It was a big deal. Paul made it a big deal in his ministry. It's the way he led so many of the Gentiles to Christ by what he had said and done by the power of signs and wonders through the power of the Holy Spirit. So all the way around from Jerusalem around to Elycria, he had filled up that area with the gospel. This good news that involves deliverance, forgiveness, and healing. We should be shocked if we gather together and worship in his name and nobody gets healed, rather than shocked if somebody does. God is not stingy or tight-fisted. When we use the word graceful, one of the things it means it's, you know, it's easy to, to just give, easy to distribute his gifts. I believe that Jesus is also the captain of the host. That's all those created beings that God created before he created us. And when John saw an angel in the book of Revelation near the end and fell down before it, the angel said, do not do that. I am but a fellow servant. Of one of the testimony of Jesus, those who hold to the testimony of Jesus with you, the angels, the church. Our fellow servants of the testimony of Jesus. There's power in the testimony, and there's power in the testimony of Jesus. Last night, we were in um, Charlotte. My son and daughter in law, Josh and Tanya, here together. And um, we ministered. We had about 600 people there, and we saw uh, right at 100 people get healed last night. 
And recently I was in a meeting with um, Bill Johnson a few weeks ago near Springfield, Missouri. We went to an Assembly of God church, uh, kind of like a flagship church for the denomination. And there was about 3,300, I think it was, I was told about 3,300 in attendance in, in the one congregation where we were at. Bill was there Monday and Tuesday, I was there Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. And um, there was about another 33 or four or seven, together there's about 7,000 people in the other total, 3,300 there and in the other, in the three other congregations. And uh, we, we had one night we went for healing. The other nights we were going for impartation. But the night we went for healing, we saw God come and touch. Um, 19%, about 650 people out of the 3,300, um, I think it was, um, that one night. And there's about 1,000 all together uh, and the other three churches, is just, you know, it was a video stream. The, the times that we don't expect much need to end because we serve a powerful God and there is authority in his name. And so I want us to look at a few past scriptures and I think there are some things God's going to do tonight. I think he's showed some things that he wants to do. <clears throat> and we'll have, at the very end, laying on of hands, we'll ask your team to come up and help us. And, of course, uh, we'll have some words of knowledge. And ask Josh and Tanya, and if you have some on your team that have some words, we'll, we'll go for them. But I want to read these scriptures. I want to get into the Word of God. In Luke chapter 6, beginning in verse 17 through 19, and we're talking about the testimonies, how it creates faith. The testimony itself, when we share what God has done. As a matter of fact, uh, Michael, I felt like that, and you mentioned it tonight already. Uh, you told me on the way in, and just a while ago you mentioned, you, just like, you know, um, you got healed. But I would, I, actually, if you got a mic, I'd like for you to come up, even before I read this scripture, and share what you felt as an 11 or 12-year-old boy before you, even, before you were healed and before you even got in the building because I want the people to understand what this, and I, I think what God did to you 